I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Billboard Charpy Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, Billboard's chart manager slash editorial liaison. We have a lot to get to this week, including Billy Ray Cyrus on the podcast, celebrating 25 years of achy, breaky heart. You probably don't remember that, Trevor. You were just a few months old in 1992 when that song was a hit. Yeah, I absolutely have no, uh, no fond memories of back in the day hearing it on the radio or anything. I don't even remember when I... I guess it's one of those songs that you always just kind of, at some point, you just learn and you never forget it. Right. I don't remember when I learned it, but you always, but I mean, like, you know, the hook, you know, don't tell my heart is always, you just kind of know it at some point. It feels like you just, it just enters your head. All right. Now, lots to get to on the podcast this week. Uh, we'll run down the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 this week, which includes an all-star new number one. Uh, again, Billy Ray Cyrus is coming up as our uh, guest. Uh, Jim Asker in Nashville chatted with Billy Ray about uh, so many things. The uh, 25th anniversary, as we just said, of Achy Breaky Heart, big hit in 1992. Uh, also talks a little bit about his daughter, uh, Miley Cyrus, as well as Noah Cyrus, and uh, the hits uh, they've had, and uh, Miley currently on the cover of Billboard magazine. So uh, that's all coming up. And it will flash back even before 1992, uh, 1991. If you think there are a lot of artists at number one now on the Hot 100, I'm the One by DJ Khaled and all those guests. Uh, there were a lot more on a hit in 1991, almost 100 artists on one song. So we'll flash back uh, to that uh, in May 1991 coming up. But first, this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, Two, one. Number 10. Number 9. Number seven. Number seven. 
number five. I'm in love with your body. Every day discovering something brand new. I'm in love with the shape of you. Come on, be my baby. Come on, come on, be my baby. Number four. Hot 100, I'm the one with uh, five acts, the first time there's ever been five individually credited acts. And number one, DJ Khaled featuring Justin Bieber, Quavo, Chance the Rapper, and Lil Wayne, all at number one this week on the Hot 100. Lil Wayne, back at number one. That's always good to see, especially, you know, all this this, this Carter 5 drama, Birdman stuff. Good to see Weezy succeeding out there. Yeah, and uh, Bieber is uh, fourth number one, but to everybody else, other than uh, Bieber and Lil Wayne, they're first number one. So uh, Khaled said in his uh, uh, interview we did with Billboard, uh, Billboard did a, a photo session with him afterwards. He said he's happy that he waited about 10 years of, of uh, being in the business doing this to get that first number one. Makes it even sweeter to uh, to finally get that number one. Yeah, I mean, this is his 10th album, he was saying, and in particular, I thought it was kind of cool because he, like you, like you said, had mentioned that you know, what had happened on the first album, what happened on the second album, what happened on the third album. He said, you know, even though it took 10 albums, he said he wouldn't change it for anything because it was supposed to happen right now when it did. So it's kind of a cool attitude to take on. I know some people might be, oh, finally, or I never thought it was going to happen. He just, he seems to be cool with it, riding it, you know, said, hey, it was going to come someday, I guess, and here it is. You see that sometimes in sports, too, like uh, if someone wins a championship as a rookie, uh, it just, maybe they appreciate it uh, differently. Because you maybe think it'll always be like this, but for someone who waits a long time, even like LeBron, who waited a long time to win till he got to Miami, it just, sometimes uh, you build up more of an appreciation the more you don't have it, and then it means that much more when you finally get that uh, either number one or, or a title in sports. Yeah, um, I think the Cleveland demographic has just tuned out completely of that, but um, but agreed. Yeah. He won in Cleveland. It's all he, good. he did bring one home to Cleveland. He promised he would. So, uh, so the other thing uh, that's pretty interesting, Bieber. Uh, has another number one. We said his fourth number one, but uh, it, it's kind of interesting how uh, big he's been even uh, after Purpose. So 2015, uh, his Purpose album came out, gave him his first three number ones on the Hot 100 with What Do You Mean, Sorry, and Love Yourself. So he had three huge number ones. But since that album's been out, he's had more top five hits as a featured artist and with, with extra singles uh, outside of Purpose since that album, so as big as that was, uh, he's had uh, Cold Water featured on Major Lazer, uh, got to number two on the Hot 100. Let Me Love You, DJ Snake, got to number four. Uh, Despacito this week goes up to number three, Luis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee. And now this new number one uh, on DJ Khaled's song. And at the moment, they've all peaked at one, two, three, and four. So that's kind of interesting, easy way to keep count of, of all those hits. But kind of uh, shows how big he's been in between albums 
kind of rare that an artist maintains that kind of a hit presence in between albums. That just shows how big of a go-to artist he's become at this point. Yeah, and it's really interesting, I think, too, that, like you said, he had three number ones from this album. They, they had a fourth single company that didn't do you know nearly on that level right. as the other ones did. But then, you know, it's, it's funny. They, they, they almost, I don't want to say gave up on purpose, but they really shifted the strategy to these featured these featured roles now and it's not like he's even competing with himself obviously purpose did very very well on its own but it is kind of kind of neat that they've sort of you know in some ways made this the you know the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh single off of purpose in some ways i mean company and cold water were kind of out close close enough in the same time i mean let me love you and cold water definitely you know occupying charts at the same time now we've got despacito i mean at number three we've got this i'm the one at number one so this also kind of, you know, two at a time Bieber strategy seems to be working off for both songs. You know, sometimes it can kind of cannibalize one for the other, but both of them are shooting right up. It's also uh, we're in an era now where so many artists are saying now that they don't feel the need to put out an album. So maybe you'll even see more of this, not just from Bieber, but other artists. Good song comes along, just put it out in a streaming digital era. Yeah, I mean, the Chainsmokers were kind of on that on that trail for a while. They seems like they ultimately gave in and put out the album but yeah people of calvin harris has said that for um potentially there could be just a stream of singles coming on some other artists too um and i think that especially in a streaming appetite where i mean you see with the song like i'm the one you know i mean it gets over 50 million streams in its first week you you hear it everywhere same thing kind of with ed sheeran when he came out earlier this year it doesn't feel like you know within a, a week or two everyone kind of knows that song so it's not like in the old days where you know it would take maybe six seven weeks for it to build on radio or, or get you know tv performances or whatever before people knew it and, and were familiar with it and you know in some ways were wanting something new and you know like we saw with chain smokers in particular right. every you know month two months you can put out something and you don't have to worry about it is it going to run into the other is it going to stop the other thing single at top 40 is it going to you know be too much too quickly i mean even album wise with drake we see that every six months you can put something out people will grab onto it instantly go through it consume it and then they're ready for another one. It's it's nonstop. Yeah, and it seems like uh, I'm the one especially is going to have a long run. It's just starting at, at Top 40 Radio. Seems like a big song of the summer. We'll see how big uh, Despacito becomes on English language radio. It's starting there now. So really, uh, it could be two huge Bieber hits coming up. Uh, again, both um, non-album singles from Bieber albums. So what are the artists have had this kind of run where between albums They've had uh, hit collaborations and, and sort of maintained that kind of presence. Early 90s, actually, uh, both uh, Janet Jackson and Mariah Carey both had huge uh, hits in between albums, both with Luther Vandross, actually. So in 1992, Janet and Luther had the best things in life for free. The Mo Money soundtrack, classic, classic Wayansville. Top 10, the hit 1992 uh, from Mariah, Endless Love, their remake of uh, Lionel Richie and Diana Ross's uh, hit uh, for number one. There's got to number two in 1994. Couldn't couldn't quite uh, yeah get up there with Lionel and Diana, but who can, right? So a similar uh, kind of thing where they were between albums, but uh, collaborated, had some big hits. Um, I, I think maybe the, the, the most... Uh, 
applicable uh, comparison to what Bieber is is doing now is uh, another Justin about ten years ago, uh, Timberlake, who who we now know takes time between albums, went uh, seven years between the albums in, in 2006 and 2013. But he had a bunch of hits in between. In fact, like Bieber, he had four top tens uh, in between uh, those albums. See, see if you remember these, uh, Trevor. AO Technology, 50 Cent, featuring Timberlake and Timberland. Yeah, yeah, that one was kind of a, that was a weird one. That was almost... I don't know. That was an interesting song that really kind of gravitated towards like the rap sound in the moment. Also, may have been definitely one of Fifty's last big pop hits. Sadly, and two thousand technology is outdated now, so that song might be a little, little outdated. Maybe a little bit, yeah. Early Twitter. <laughs> um, after that, two thousand eight, four minutes, Madonna featuring again Timberlake and Timberland. You can't even even when they're not on an album together, you can't separate Timberlake and Timberland. Two thousand nine, Dead and Gone, Ti. Featuring Timberlake. Paying the favor back from My Love back in 2006. And uh, the other top ten, Love, Sex, Magic, Ciara. Featuring Timberlake. Four top tens. Again, yeah, that was also one of those interesting songs that was like... Because Ciara had definitely been more in the R&B lane for the first two albums before that. And that was a more of a pop crossover one. I thought that was going to be even bigger. I'm surprised. Every time that. I even hear it now, I'm surprised. It, it. I mean, it got to number ten, so it wasn't like it you know, collapsed or anything like that. But I was surprised that it didn't really shooter back into yeah. almost number one conversation. I, I guess at that time I don't know if I don't know if Rihanna had just cannibalized the space or or, or what happened, but yeah. And uh, Timberlake even had two more hits that just missed the top ten, so he almost had six uh top tens in that stretch between albums. Uh Carry Out, uh Timberland again, featuring Timberlake got to number eleven. Uh and then also a uh, number thirteen hit uh, their live version of uh, Hallelujah, Timberlake uh, Matt Morris and Charlie Sexton. So he had a whole bunch of hits. You're making it look like you don't even remember that. I when was that? Was that from like an award show or something? It was. It was from uh, a Haiti benefit in 2010. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, similar kind of what uh, Bieber is doing now. In between, because after that, uh, Suit and Tie would come out uh, in 2013, three years later, uh, for Timberlake. But pretty good run of having hits, even when uh, people were waiting for a new album. He certainly gave fans lots of music. Yeah, for sure. And Gary, you started off with some some '90s divas. I'll throw in one more into the ring. My favorite. <laughs> uh, people forget this. You know, Whitney Houston took some time in between uh, the Whitney album and "I'm Your Baby Tonight." She had to do it with Aretha Franklin. Wasn't a smash hit. But uh, the song "It Isn't," it was, and it ain't ever gonna be. Which I think is so interesting that a song with Probably the two best singers of all time, maybe. Not even quite top, uh, crack the top 40, You know where that peaked, right, on the Hot 100? It was a, I'm sure it was 41, Number was 41. It? Yeah, they, the curse of 41. It, I remember, it wasn't even top 40. I remember thinking that at the time, watching it go off the chart and seeing it peak at 41 and just being, like you just said, so surprised that two huge names like that just missed the top 40 by one position. It just made it even, even more sad for chart fans. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's... It's a little asterisk. I mean, of course, this is the time. You know, Aretha was really in, in one of her last great stretches coming off the 80s, and Whitney, obviously, well in her prime. It seemed, it seemed a little weird that, you know, people didn't people didn't bite onto it, but it's okay. It's all right. Sadly, a fitting title for, for just missing the top 40, too. It isn't. It wasn't. It ain't ever going to be a top 40 hit. It, 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 was the, it was the second single, though, from the album, because uh, Through the Storm with Elton John did get to number 16 first. That was a pretty big hit. 
but even more recently, kind of like in the in the Timberlake lane, somebody who's really benefited from a non-album single in the past couple of years, Bruno Mars, having Uptown Funk with Mark Ronson. That's from Mark Ronson's album. But Bruno, especially, been kind of away for about a year or so. Comes out with this monster smash single. Really buys him a lot of time, it feels like, for his next album. People aren't quiet as, you know, where is it, where is it? 14 weeks of number one on the Hot 100. Obviously, huge smash, the top song of the year. Wins record of the year at the Grammys. And really, just the momentum that that song pushes into his next album for 24 Karat Magic is, I mean, you can't buy a hit that important in your entire career. And luckily for Bruno, you know, the timing was was perfect. Also, somebody else um, who is actually currently in the midst of a of a, of a hit in between albums. Uh, let's not forget Taylor Swift. She's got, you know, a soundtrack single, obviously, with the song I Don't Wanna Live Forever with Zayn, who also is in between albums. But, you know, assuming that TS6 eventually comes out, I mean, Taylor's also using this as a way to, to buy some time between 1989 and 1990 or whatever it'll be called. All right. The other interesting thing about number one this week, uh, we said before, five artists at number one. First time that's ever happened, and we're not talking about something like We Are the World, which had uh, 43 acts, but it was under one uh, billing, uh, uh, USA for Africa. So five individually credited artists at number one. Uh, never happened on the Hot 100, but we've seen uh, some other singles over the years with a whole bunch of superstars on songs before. I'll, I'll, I'll name a couple. Um, we just saw recently Sucker for Pain was number 15 Hot 100 hit, which also features Lil Wayne. Uh, it, it's so funny how many people are on this. Lil Wayne, Wiz Khalifa, and Imagine Dragons with Logic, who's headed for number one, we think, on the Billboard 200 uh, for next week. And Ty Dolla Sign featuring ex-ambassadors. Yeah, it's like um, it's like if you take a spring concert at any university and like throw all six acts into a blender and <laughs> that's what you get. Like. Literally, it's just, I mean, rap rock has always kind of been a thing, but it literally came together on this track like never before. Uh, one back in 1993, uh, Hall of Fame rock all around. It was a cover of uh, My Back Pages, originally a hit for the Birds in the 60s, written by Bob Dylan. Uh, there was a live version recorded at a Dylan uh, uh, special concert in New York. Uh, features uh, everyone taking a verse. It's a really cool version. Bob Dylan, Roger McGuinn of the Birds, Tom Petty, Neil Young, Eric Clapton, Anna Beatle, George Harrison. Just one Beatle? How many more people do you need in that song? I just, you know, I, I guess Paul and Ringo just, you know, was their voicemail too, too crammed. I'm sure they would have wanted, would have wanted to have been invited too. All right, what uh, what songs uh, do you remember, Trevor, with at least five acts? I'll flash back quickly to last year. I forget you forget that, that a lot of these, especially these uh, labels, rap labels have a lot of compilation songs that you know a lot of their artists on their rosters will all join together. Last year we saw Champions, which. Has some of the artists we actually see on I'm the One this week. So uh, get this. It was a Kanye West joint with Gucci Mane, Big Sean, Designer, Quavo, Yo Gotti, Travis Scott, and 2 Chains. That's like... How many is that? That is... That's eight. Wow. Eight people. Now, of course, it's like, you know, it's part of the label compilation. So everybody kind of wants to get a, you know, get get a piece of it, which is kind of nice for them to do, but... I mean, eight, especially if they all have like eight individual standalone verses, that would be like a 20 minute song. But um, definitely that. And even I was going through Khaled's discography because Khaled, 
as we know, is one of the people who, as we see, is good at uniting a bunch of people together. I mean, there's so many Khaled songs that have like five, six people on it. I can't even, I'll, I'll name a, a few, but we'll go back way to his first Hot 100 entry, which was Holla At Me. This is DJ Khaled featuring Lil Wayne. So we've got a little Wayne theme going here. Paul Wall, Fat Joe, Rick Ross, and Pitbull. I mean, he's got songs out here, out here grinding with A Complies, Young Jeezy, Rick Ross, Ace Hood, Trick Daddy, Lil Boosie. It's like running down like again, like a, like a, like a concert list. You know, who's gonna be at the festival this year? It's ridiculous. Um, unfortunately, all mine, like I said, are more rap hits. But I know that Gary, you've also got one. Um, most of these are also guy leaning. In 1993, uh, in that era when country was really dominated by a lot of women, uh, they got together on a song uh, Dolly Parton. Her song, Romeo, uh, features Tanya Tucker, Mary Chapin Carpenter, Pam Tillis, and Kathy Matea. And in the video, the Romeo himself, Billy Ray Cyrus. Romeo, Romeo, I want to be a Juliet. So stay in high, step it low, step it out of hand. Step it aside, let it slide, and step it up. So they're all singing about him. They're all at a bar singing about Romeo. He comes in, and they all crush on Billy Ray Cyrus. And, and what's really interesting, um, uh, Dolly Parton has gone on to become Miley Cyrus's godmother. She was born. She was she was born uh, just before that in late in late 1992. So by the time the song came out, Miley was a little baby Miley at that point. Baby Miley, Godmama Dolly, Daddy Billy. This is this is got a whole little Parton Cyrus. You know, world going on here, and of course, Miley and Dolly have you know duetted together plenty of times. Um, Miley's a big fan of Jolene; she sung that in concert a couple times. I think even once with Dolly on Hannah Montana. So definitely a, a great relationship between the Cyrus crew and uh, Miss Parton. All right, let's find out uh, more about all things the Cyrus family. Jim Asker in Nashville, our uh, country senior chart manager, recently sat down with Billy Ray Cyrus, uh, talked about everything from when uh, Achy Breaky Heart started, became such a big hit in 1992. Uh, they talk about uh, Miley. They talk about Noah Cyrus as well. So here's uh, Billy Ray Cyrus with Jim Asker here on the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Jim Asker at Billboard, and I am honored to be talking to the one and only Billy Ray Cyrus today. How are you? I'm great, Jim Asker. <laughs> you're, you're more famous than me. Yeah, right. I'm serious. Like, you, 
Rocco, all of our buddies from the days. Rocco Costco. That's right. He man. was my rep at Mercury Records when your when Achy Breaky Heart blew up. Yeah, man. You came by our station and um and you actually remember us in Baltimore standing on the side of the stage mm. watching you take all those stuffed animals in your hand. Rocco goes, You've got to see this. And there was a pile of like stuffed mm. animals. You came out right after the show and like gathered them up in your arms and carried mm. <laughs> carried oh. them off. And people were throwing I mean, women were throwing stuff, undergarments up, and it was just crazy. It was crazy. But it it's was a- crazy. I, I, it's, I love you re- telling me about those moments because I actually, going to the edge of the stage after the show was over, and the people would stand there, and I, I just couldn't leave them. You like, it, it, stayed I there leave. and signed I, autographs and yeah. all that until everybody was gone. Do you still do that? I, I haven't been on tour for a while. I'm looking forward to it. That's part of the reason why I've fired back up and well, you've been busy got the with- band back together and ready to go out and do some shows because I, I want to go sign some autographs and see the fans and thank them for this uh, wonderful 25 well, You years. look great, oh, by the way. Thanks. Keep me you in the dark. Fantastic. Don't light me up. As long as you don't light me up, I get ugly quick in the light. <laughs> when was the first time you heard Achy Breaky Heart? When it was, was it when the writer, Don Von Trust, played it for you? Was that the first time? Well, uh, Don Von Tress wrote the song, right? Um, but Joe Scaife, uh, Joe. my producer Joe Scaife mm-hmm. and Jim Cotton had came up to Huntington, West Virginia. I had recorded the title track, uh, Some Gave All. And, um, Great song. Thank you very much. And we had nine more songs to go. And Joe came up to work up the back nine with me and the band in Huntington, West Virginia at the little bar I was playing up there called the Ragtown. And he brought one extra cassette and i do this because it's great i know you know what a cassette looks like but these young fellas cassettes look like that <laughs> and you know what i mean like a cassette can you imagine and cassette we put it in a jam box and boom as soon as it started like from the intro and a verse and of course i stood up physically stood up and said that's me and i threw off one of the songs that i had written and added that song called Don't oh. Tell My Heart that very day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I threw off a song called Whiskey, Wine, and Beer. And I threw it off and still haven't cut it to this day. I, Will you cut I, it at some point? Maybe. I've, got, I've written so many songs since then, actually. It's it's interesting to even think about it. Maybe I should. Maybe your, I should just to go back your, and do it. Your first album is tremendous. Oh, thank um, you. And Thanks. I just want to know quickly, though, how you got signed to Mercury. Well, and and how that became the first single. Yeah, it's um, I'll skip the ten years that leads to that moment <laughs> of you know, yeah, I was going to be a professional baseball player, right. and I hear this voice tell me buy a guitar and start a band, and I'll find my purpose in in life, and that's through the music. And I'm going, I'm left-handed, and I I'm a baseball player, and then says no, buy a guitar and start a band, buy a left-handed guitar. Were you a first baseman? No, I was a catcher. Okay. I was going to be the next Johnny Bench. Okay. And was headed that direction. But I was listening to my intuition and and also the fact that my knees hurt like hell from squatting up and down for Mm -hmm. the first 20 years of my life. Hey, maybe that wouldn't be a bad idea. And uh, That's the toughest position. Yeah, it was pretty tough. I loved it, though. I I loved it. Um, But I I started a band uh, at 20 years old Mm -hmm. and quit school never looked back like i gave up my scholarship and everything started a band and as soon as i started i got a house gig in ironton ohio the first week and so i just stayed there so i was basically i had a gig that's the best way to get a a band tight is have a gig 
Because when you're going to get up in front of people four or five nights a week and play four or five sets a night, it's a great place to practice, you know, and get paid and do your thing. And so 10 years, skipping ahead, 10 years of trial and error and failure, many, many failures. I failed way more times than I ever succeeded. All great people do a few times, I, right? I, I failed a lot. I did – I pretty much eliminated every eliminated every way that wouldn't work Mm -hmm. therefore finding the one way that would and that one way being I had written some gave all I was getting ready to turn 30 years old um I had 10 years of being told no into this town of Nashville Mm -hmm. and LA and every time in Nashville they'd say you rock and roll man you should go to LA when I went to LA it was the same exact opposite you know like oh man your name's billy ray cyrus you're a country you should you sound country you should be in nash so i didn't really there wasn't a place for me to fit in the middle mm-hmm. and but luckily i just kept writing songs i, I kept wow that's the way i made my living was playing those bars and honky tonks mostly what i liked to do was get a house gig and sit there and build a great band and that was the best way to get the best players was have a job And um, so I had written Some Gave All and wrote it in 1989 about a Vietnam veteran I met back in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, I felt that inner voice telling me to come and play it for Harold Shedd, and I did. Who was the head of Mercury Records at the time. That's right. Harold Shedd was the head of Mercury Records. Uh, After 10 years of being told no, somebody finally stood up and said, I'm going to structure you a little deal. He left the room. Paul Lux came into the room, mm-hmm. shook my hand, welcomed, said, welcome to Mercury Records. We'll get in touch with your manager, Jack McFadden. I leave out of there. Jack was, had an association with Reba, right? Jack had an association with um, isn't there, Merle Haggard. Isn't there a story where you opened for Reba? There is a piece of that. You, okay. You've got a good memory. Yeah, that's how I got to the attention of Harold Shedd. Okay. I'm um, going back too far now. No, you're only missing it by a few months because okay. the Reba happened before I came down to play for Harold. Okay. And Reba and Highway 101 was playing um, Freedom Hall in Great Louisville, man. Kentucky. That's right. Paulette Carlson. Yes. They were playing Freedom Hall, but the ticket sales was down. Mm-hmm. And somebody had told them there's a guy up in Flatwoods, Kentucky, that you put him on this bill and you'll sell it out. And they're going, what? How much you got to pay him? You probably don't have to pay him. Like he probably would just love him. So they put me on the bill. The place went clean. Buddy Cannon heard about it and drove up to Louisville to see this unknown act. Uh-huh. And Buddy Cannon came back and told everybody at Mercury Records there's something there. But Harold, don't move fast. This town don't move fast. You know that. Mm-hmm. And, and so about three or four months into it, I was getting pretty down going, man, I guess they didn't like me and, you know, whatever. But I'd written Some Gave All and something told me, come play that for Harold. And his secretary let me in, said I got five minutes. I came in and played it, and then that's where the deal happened. But you're right. What a great story. It all led in through the Highway 101 in Reba, yes. Awesome. And and when did you decide to put Achy Breaky Heart as your first single? Did you decide on that? No. Harold? I just, yeah. Pretty much. It was kind of a group thought, though. Like, um, everybody was pretty lean in that direction. It felt like the right, you know, but it was, it just felt like what it was did supposed to be. Did you have any idea it would blow up like it did? No. 
Not really, not like that. I didn't. I couldn't even imagine that. Remember, you're talking to a guy that lived in his car. It pretty much started I, the line dancing craze. I was there, so I remember. You were there. I, you know, and um, it just blew up like nothing <laughs> I had ever seen. Your first album, though, Some Gave All, tremendous album. I'm not just saying that, but it spent 34 weeks at number one on our top country albums chart. 17 weeks on the Billboard 200. That's crazy. All gave some, some gave all, some stood through for the red, white, and blue, and some had to fall. And the album is real. Can I just ask that album is really deep? Some great songs, some really, and Icky Breaky Heart's a great song. Did you ever think that, okay, this serious project I have, this album is a pretty deep project, that, that the fun song might diminish how deep that album was or no at that time remember i'm living in my car uh okay. <laughs> homeless I, you ever lived in a chevy Breda? there's not a lot of room and that was i'd been in there for about a year at that time i i was more like it's just again started with some gave all then we we had the could other have songs. been me that's right and then country rock great song yes could have been did me. you write that no i didn't read nelson Okay. wrote that and i love that song could have been me that was our our second follow-up um and it, it turned out to be you know a, a great record like it was the right call to follow up achy breaky heart which is it was just a, a, a good it sequence just showed a different side of you and thing. how deep that album was and that achy breaky fever did that it was pop culture did that i mean from sleeping in your car to becoming uh, a mega pop culture st- st- that had to be kind of jarring for you as a young man, right? Well, I wasn't that young, though. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I was, I was about 30. thirty. I was twenty nine, maybe when it came out. Okay, and then I turned thirty, and uh, so. But, but you but, go from sleeping in your car to everybody wanting a piece of you in in like ten weeks time. It was pretty crazy. That that part was crazy. Now, there's a little bit of this. In a way, it's on a different scale. But in Kentucky, Ohio, and West Virginia, I was already kind of living that. Like, there was, I couldn't go out the grocery store out in that realm. Like, people thought I'd already made it. That's what was a bit of a catch 22 for me there. They already thought I'd done something. Mm-hmm. But for me, I knew the reality. Only thing I'm, I'm here and I can open up all these shows and do all this stuff, but I need a record deal. I need a somebody to help me facilitate getting the music heard around the world. That was my goal, was to make music that could move an audience around the world. And um, so when Mercury Records and Polygram came into the picture, that was the missing link. Great story. So let's jump to the 25th anniversary recording and what led to that. And and the depth of it with, like, how many different versions? Six? Yeah, we... I yeah, just saw the Espanol version come yeah, in today. Yeah, there's 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 probably six right now, but it's there's really three. Espanol is one that. Do you know the guys on there? Have you, have you ever heard? No, I don't. I I, I just want to say um, before that, if I can, I love the um, the the mix from Muscle Shoals. It's got a soulful, gritty sound, um, and I just love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll start with that one because that's really the nucleus of anything that comes off of this mix. Are they the same players as yes. who originally played? Uh, one, the guitar player, Keith Hinton, and Don Von Tress, who wrote the song. 
And, and, and this really goes back to your first question about when Don and the song, all I knew was I loved his demo. And when Don and I started talking about doing a recut of it, I said, Don, if I, I want, I never felt like I ever beat your demo. Like I loved the Southern swampiness of your original. Yeah. Demo. And you captured that. I it's guess. pretty, it's, it's pretty, Love it's, it. It, thank you very much. Thanks. Don's, Is that what you wanted on the first one or I, I, I don't know. It was kind of like I wanted that. I felt like even when I'd listen to it, I'd think, man, I think I still like Don's demo better. Who produced this version, the update? Uh, Don and I produced this, yeah. And Don made a real good call right out of the box. He said, dude, if you want to capture my demo, you need to come to Muscle Shoals. Well, I've always wanted to come to record at Muscle Shoals anyway. I had never been there. So many great albums recorded there. So many there. great. I mean, it's so small. It's, think it's about as it. small as this conference room we're sitting in right now. I know. And it's known as the home of the groove. What a great place to make a record, the home of the groove. So One of my favorite, I shouldn't I shouldn't take time I'm no, being self-absorbed, do. but one of my first favorite albums of all time, The Little Spark of the High Heel Boys, Traffic, was recorded oh, there at Muscle yeah, Shoals. Sure the Stones yeah. recorded there. At fame. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, go on. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're you're right on. It's Muscle Shoals. And Don said, hey, man, you come down here, I'll surround you with some swampers. When we use horn players, it's really Mm -hmm. three dudes with horns, not synthesizer. Keith Hinton, we brought Keith Hinton back in from my original cut. And Keith Hinton played on Don's original demo. So we kind of had, we just kind of had it all to meet there in Muscle Shoals. There was a time I'm Man, Muscle Shoals, that might be a long drive. I, I said, maybe we should just do it. Man, he said, if you really want to capture my demo, I said, dude, I want it. How long did you spend there? I was there for a day. Uh-huh. And we cut the track that morning, and I did all my vocals immediately. I liked to, once I get sweaty and going, like I just keep on going until I do all my lead vocals, and then I do the harmonies. And I stacked four or five different parts i probably i did a lot of vocals in about four hours of that afternoon we spent the morning making the track and i left her going man this thing's buzzing this feels good (laughs) you know that on the album the first track that's that was me doing a lot of those harmonies on that whole album which Mm -hmm. at that time in nashville that wasn't that wasn't done a whole lot. It was not really heard there of at was, the time. Yeah, they didn't hear of that, and they didn't hear of using your band a whole lot. And right. I oh, I know. Yeah. On using you had to use the band. session players. Yeah, and... I wanted to use my band and capture. I'd always been a big Springsteen fan. and I, Me too. The albums I loved most was when he'd work them up with the band. I've actually been to over 100 Springsteen shows. No way. Yeah. He was my first attachment to rock and roll, really. Man, he's, he's my hero. So, 1976 was my first show. I hate to get on. I hate to give away age, I'm going to fan but... out. I'm going to fan out. I, I love Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I, honestly, I wouldn't be here without Bruce Springsteen. Like, he was an inspiration. He's and he is an inspiration. Once you see him with that work ethic, you've got that work ethic on stage. Man, I hope so. I can hope only hope to have a part of the way the boss works on stage. I've seen him play three hours, four yeah. hours. I, I saw one was, go over four hours. But So let's talk about the Espanol version. And and do you know, but I must say, there is that wonderful little moment when, you know, the reaction to Achy Breaky, it was either love it or hate it, and it was coming from different directions, and the boss played it, I think, in Philadelphia. Yeah, he did. And exactly. He I've heard said, it. I don't care what you say. It's just a damn good little song. I heard it on a bootleg yeah, tape. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my heart, my every break 
tell my heart, my Yankee Bracky heart, he might blow up and kill this man. At that same time, June of 92, uh-huh. Johnny Cash had written me a handwritten letter and said some very nice things, said he was in my corner. Carl Perkins had became like my best friend, Carl Perkins, saying, dude, man, don't, don't be running around, you know, music row, like all these cats trying to chase the cat's tail and say, well, if that's working for him, I'll go do that. He said, be yourself no matter what happens. Be yourself and be real. It's just about being real. And Carl, you know, he became a really great friend. That's uh, awesome. Carl was a great friend. Waylon Jennings then became a great friend. George Jones, um, you know, the, the, the legends. You know who would spend a lot of time at my house that I know you must be a big Vern Gosden. Oh, I love Vern Gosden. You love Vern One Gosden. of the great country voices oh, ever. Vo- oh, the voice, man. What so, do you think of, um, I have to ask this, um, what, what do you think of country music 25 years later, country radio? It's been a lot of changes. Back when I first met you, it was one program director running one station. Now it's become, become chains, and um, and the music's definitely changed. So let's look at the whole think? business. It's all Where changed. do you find a record store? Mm-hmm. Where do you find a record? It's like. The whole thing has changed. Do you listen to country still? Oh, I, there's a lot of great artists out there. There's a lot. There of, really are. There's some new artists and and some great artists that are bringing the innovation. Country music, I think, is in a great spot right now. Great. I mean, Sam Hunt's been it's on a, top of our Hot Country Songs chart for 12 weeks now. That's amazing. Sam's a good guy. Good guy. Great artist. And so, are you going to go on the road with a new album? You, you're changing your name to just Cyrus? Well, my name's always been Cyrus, but I'm That's also I, Billy right. Ray Cyrus. Because you said you I, wanted to start your career with your name as Cyrus. I wanted to be Cyrus. I, the album was called Some Gave All. I, when Mercury Records came to see me, I, all the T-shirts said Cyrus. Some Gave All. That was what. But, hey, they had some marketing people over there that said, Wait a minute! You're selling all these places out up here, and when they put on the marquee as Billy Ray Cyrus, and I know, but I just want them to use Cyrus. And they, you know, somebody in Switzerland said, "Ah, uh, the Billy Ray Cyrus." And, and I wasn't in a part. I wasn't going to argue about that. So when will a new album come out? Um, well, we're in the process, as you know. It's Are you all writing? about streaming now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've written more songs in the last in the last month. I have written more songs than that. You solo writing. I write a lot by myself. My songs come really fast in a moment of inspiration and desperation. I just want to mention really quick, Humble and Kind, Tim McGraw, oh, Laurie yeah. McKenna wrote yeah. that song. That was the first solo written number one in about four years, I think, when that hit the top of the charts. Wow. And then amazing. Little that's Big Town just had the Taylor Swift, uh, Better Man, which is solo written. But you need to, we need to get that trend back of solo written songs. I, I love think. that. Just my opinion. I, I, I've been writing just about everything. All my, it comes really quick when I hear a song in my head. and I, Nowadays, I have my phone hit record, and it's the same as what I used to write. Some gave all of those songs on was on a micro cassette recorder. Mm-hmm. I did it like this, uh, but now it's just you know I, I don't write the songs with my hand. I just hear what I hear in my head and sing it and play it. Why I'm doing this right now? I want to say thanks to a lot of people mm-hmm. for allowing me to. I think I made this all happen. This dream, you did, you did, <laughs> and honestly, Rocco made it happen. Rocco, Bobby Young, all those guys at Mercury Bobby, back then. All those guys. I mean, there was a team. Of people, okay. When you say, okay, what's 
everything has changed in our mm-hmm. business. It's still As, a relationship based though. It's still relation. And I hope it's still about the song. Like that's what my hope is. And that's why when you mentioned the Cyrus, I, I quoted to Rolling Stone. I said, all I want to be is a singer songwriter. I'm going back to my roots. I may but, even, just, but you've also done well maybe as, just an, change my name as, as an actor. Your show is still the Kings coming back on. It It is. It is. I've done. Do, do you like that as much as you like performing music? I love playing music. I I, I was actually I'm born and very uh, natural. Comes to me natural to play and sing. And again, I hear music. I play everything by ear. Like I have no training of. I wish I did, but I can't. Like everything I play by ear, and I play life by ear. I, everything about it. And um, well, the greatest players play. In our kind of music that we love, you know, the greatest rock and rollers, country artists, play by ear, I think. So, um, now, did you know Ronnie Millsap is on this new version? I do. When did you not. talk about greatest greatest players, he's playing keyboards on your Ronnie Millsap. When you hear that piano honking in there, that's Ronnie Millsap, and he came on. Uh, it's it was the, he was one of the. I guess he came on about a month ago, and. Somebody Don had mentioned, you know, Ronnie had the song on hold for years or for a couple for a while, but his label didn't let him cut it. But he always loved it. And then uh-huh. we got the track, and I said, "Hey, I wonder if Ronnie won't." And he came straight in, and that's awesome. He, you could hear the way he's playing is with the passion of what he would have done twenty seven years ago on it. Like he just nailed it, and he fits so well with our Muscle Shows project. So I want to mention that's Ronnie Millsaps on there. Um, speaking of other people, you have to be proud of your family. I mean. You've got like four kids with hits on the charts. <laughs> yeah, he, Miley. Uh, besides Miley, there's Noah and Trace, mm, and you have to be proud of. I'm proud of all. There's of one them. more. I'm really proud. I have a son, Brazen, uh-huh. and then uh, uh, my wife and my other other daughter, Brandy. They have a Brandy. television show. But I'll I'll say um, Noah, um, and Miley, their instincts are just so right on with music, lyrics, harmony, vibe, passion. I mean, and like you, Miley's her own person. and She is. That's <laughs> her way, right? <laughs> and, and, trust me. And Noah, too. Mm-hmm. Noah is very strong in knowing what she wants to write, what she wants to sound like. And I, I'm proud of both of them for that. It's a little bit of what Carl said to me. Don't be chasing the cat's tail. Do <laughs> well, your thing. Let's not wait for the 50th anniversary of Aki Breaky to talk again, okay? I'm ne- I, I don't know that. I- let's please don't because I'm not going to make it. For I that. don't think I'll make I'm it I'm not going to make it. Let's, let's make it sooner than later. Thank you, Billy Ray Cyrus. All the luck in the world to you. I think this new version of Aki Breaky Heart is going to be great. I think your TV show will do great again. I mean, you've got so much going on. It's just been a pleasure talking to you. This is Jim Asker at Billboard. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jim. That was fantastic.
Billy Ray Cyrus on the Billboard Charpy podcast. So cool. Uh, so nice of him to take that time to uh, chat with uh, with Jim Asker here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. It, one thing uh, we just uh, we should mention, uh, Trevor, because I think it's so interesting for, for the history of Achy Breaky Heart. Could have been a hit for the Marcy Brothers in 1991, a year before Billy Ray Cyrus's version uh, came out. Group uh, the Marcy Brothers, three uh, three brothers, uh, Kevin, Chris, and Kendall, released the song as a single on Atlantic Records. Didn't hit our Hot Country Songs chart, so Billy Ray Cyrus recorded it, made it a hit. Oh. So there's just lost version of it. Um, but what's funny, I, I was on YouTube uh, looking at that version. I'm in the, the comments section, and someone said, if this song had been a hit in 1991, maybe wouldn't have been. Uh, country star Billy Ray Cyrus, therefore no pop star Hannah Montana or twerk star Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I like how we make that designation between Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, they go. On, they say, what path would popular music and pop culture have taken had this song not been covered by Billy Ray? We're worth contemplating. Wow, um, ooh, we may have never had a wrecking ball. We may have, yeah, we we may never have had Miley. What's good? Maybe that would have been some good news for Robin Thicke. That could be, yeah, the path of pop would have been crazy different though of course you know there's a chance miley obviously could have still been herself and the funny thing too is uh, someone named Mackenzie marcy uh, made the next comment she she said i would have been the quote twerk star considering i'm kevin's daughter lol so she might have been miley one of the marcy brothers daughters. the daughter is looking at the, oh, that's, that's great she has a sense of humor about it could have who knows you know who knows revisionist history and, and i really dug into this uh, too i wound up completely down this uh, marcy well, brothers gary was in this rabbit, rabbit hole. hole you get it and see these youtube comments that's how you get started you just you just keep clicking and scrolling uh kendall marcy one of the marcy brothers uh, he's gone on to play in brad paisley's live band uh, called the drama kings since 1999 so for almost 20 years now he's had a really uh, good career in brad paisley's band i feel like uh billy ray should get the marcy brothers together and do some sort of you know foursome version of the song at some i don't know some cma award show maybe this year for 25 years that would be kind of fun and uh, the other comment last one uh, i'll mention someone uh, said uh, they really uh, i didn't even notice this until i saw this comment the marcy brothers version isn't achy breaky heart it's achy breaking heart so billy ray cyrus changes to achy breaky and and they and this person thinks that that might have been all it needed to become a smash because it just it had a little quirk like that it was it, the rhyme just captured listeners attention that much easier i was uh, yeah the minute you said that i said "Ooh, it's just that little fix that can go you know pop songwriting is literally sometimes just just the right thing at the right place and yeah maybe if that was billy ray himself who suggested it that literally could could have been a million dollar career changing switch so that original version uh released in 1991 Let's stay in 1991 for this week's uh, flashback. Go back to this week, May 1991. This song was peaking uh, in early May 1991 at number 11 on the Hall 100. Going back 26 years, Voices That Care got to number 11 on the Hot 100. Do you remember the song, Trevor? No, it's, it's kind of funny. It's one of the 
I guess we again we are the world kind of kicked off this round of right. super group songs. Thank you, Michael Jackson. That kind of brings a star power to it. No, this one, but no, I mean, this is one of the ones that kind of doesn't seem to have, I don't say aged very well, but it, it's very of the time yeah. because of about pretty much who was on it, and, and yeah, because it was specifically uh, around. Uh, Operation Desert Storm. It, it, it was political in the sense it, it, it didn't take sides. It was just we support our troops. The chorus is stand tall, stand proud. Voices that care are crying out loud in in support of the troops. So it was very just just a positive song that everyone was was behind the troops. Um, it supported the International Red Cross as well. Uh, not wasn't the biggest radio hit. It was more of a of a sales hit uh, that that drove it up the Hot 100. But um, yeah, so everyone remembers uh, We Are the World. W- what's interesting, uh, the, I guess, one of the main differences is that was all musicians. This was just a complete cross section of entertainment. It was it was musicians, but it was also um, athletes, movie stars, TV stars. It was just about a, almost a hundred people. Uh, in, in in the choir on the on the chorus, so that that's something that uh, We Are the World didn't have. This song has uh, Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson singing the song on a basketball court in the video, and there's also a clip of Wayne Gretzky. He, he doesn't sing on the song, but but they show him. Mike Tyson is on the song. It's got Jordan, Magic Johnson, Mike Did Tyson, and Wayne Gretzky. Sing? He doesn't sing, does he? Yeah, he sings on the song. Michael Jordan sings on it. I mean, it is kind of weird, even just to see. In the video, because it kind of, if, if you see the video, it, it starts with some singers and it kind of has a montage of people as it goes through it. It, it is kind of weird because all of a sudden you're like, wait, is that Michael Jordan just in a music video lip syncing? And I guess um, Magic Johnson, too, you know, getting his start. He'd be in a Michael Jackson music video, you know, maybe a year, not even a year later. Remember the time. But uh, definitely an interesting kind of group. I'm trying to think of, you know, in a weird way, I guess, because some, maybe social media kind of has, has blurred a lot of the lines. This could work today, in a sense. Like, you could definitely feel like entertainers and musicians are, are way more connected than, than maybe they used to be. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this on the podcast a, a few weeks ago, uh, the, the newer version of We Are the World in 2010. And it's kind of funny to see who's on this particular song because, you know, it's an early Celine Dion before she really made her, her splash right. um, into the U.S. with you know the Power of Love and, and, and some of those songs that are coming later. Got some people from New Edition, Ralph Tresvant up there he starts the song, singing yeah. the opening, yeah. And, and I, I was surprised I didn't realize that they, um, you know, it's sort of a, a group chorus like this. They, Luther Vandross basically gets the entire hook to himself. Like he, at least that first hook, he was right. bang. Like it's like he gets an extended part. It's like okay, well, Luther is the man. Obviously, a fantastic singer. So. Nothing to be upset about there. Yeah, I mean, like, Will Smith kind of in some of his early days too. The, the Will Smith rap is is classic on that song. It's it's so <laughs> it's so. Let's let's put a little poppy rap, little little fit. And what and what is a good 1991 David Foster produced song without a Kenny G saxophone <laughs> solo? Michael Bolton, obviously, that was that was his time for just having hit after hit. Um, what's interesting too, uh, the, the very last uh, uh, solo singer who, who uh, sings a verse is a guy named Warren Wiebe, who was unknown, but he was a favorite of uh, David Foster. So you have all these names uh, as the lead vocalists uh, who we just mentioned: Celine, uh, Luther, Garth Brooks, uh, Michael Bolton, Will Smith uh, on rap, and, and Warren Wiebe. So his his, uh, his moment uh, shined on that song. Other people who are in the chorus and in the video, it, it's just such a, such a, 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 so many, downtown Julie Brown is on there, Chevy Chase, Cindy Crawford, uh, Kevin Costner, Sally Field, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a who's who of, of celebrities really at that time. Meryl Streep 
is on there. Brooke Shields. Yeah. Alyssa Milano. Jean-Claude Van Damme is on there, too. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, he is. Henry Winkler. Is that is that Fonzie? Yeah. From way back in Happy Days. I mean, pulling it back. Also, Little Richard getting uh, a, a solo time on the song as well. So, definitely some of the, the old icons mixed with contemporary stars at the time. Richard Gere up there as well. Enjoying some of that, that Pretty Woman fame at the time. I mean, this is really just – I almost wonder but, how How do you – I guess, you know, obviously it's connections and maybe agents and representatives and Billy Crystal and everybody. Right. I mean, this is just Dominique, – Dominique Wilkins too. This is just – I mean, what a – like what's the net worth of that room? And uh, Billboard's own former Billboard Nashville correspondent, Jimmy Buffett on there as well. Jimmy Buffett? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> before Before Margaritaville cashed out. Oh, uh, one other person uh, on uh, on that song, uh, Voices of the Cure, Trevor, was uh, Tiffany. And I actually asked her about this song. I interviewed her a year ago when it was the 25th anniversary. Here's what she had to say. She remembered uh, recording the song. Yeah, I'm the one with the glasses and the dark hair. And I think I, I, think I even wore a beanie or like a little like, hat thing. That I, I think so. I don't know. I was sporting something. It's funny. I actually have the video. And every once in a while, I'll have like a, a night where I have everybody over and stuff like that. And sometimes my friends are, let's watch some old videos. I'm like, oh, let's not. And But they think it's funny. So, you know, we put it on and we have a good laugh. And, and we watch the Voices of Care video. And, and I, you know, of course, my girlfriends give me a hard time about, okay, that doesn't look like you. What were you thinking? I was like, you know, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, okay? <laughs> you know, that's part of living out Nineties fashion, Trevor. You missed it. You just missed early nineties fashion. Yeah, definitely go watch that video if you really want to get a nice uh, blast from the past, or if you want to find out what it was like if you if you weren't around. All right, uh, join us next week on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Uh, we'll see if uh, I don't know if we can have an as exciting a Hot One Hundred uh, number one as we did this week. Not every week, as we said, it's the first time it's ever happened. Five acts at number one, number one debut with uh, I'm the One, but something always happens that's exciting. Yeah, and things creeping up as well. I mean, it almost Bieber's at one and three. Could he make one and two? Could he change himself out? That's always in the race. And it's funny, we had three number ones in the past three weeks, so you can never really discount if Bruno is still in the race. Kendrick's still up there as well. The album doing particularly well. Maybe even Ed, you know, still in the top five. So definitely a lot of turnover, but kind of makes it exciting. You know, it feels like there's more of a race going on now. So, yeah, we'll see how the race pans out. Which of those uh, Justin Timberlake songs we mentioned earlier should we close with, Trevor? Um. Ooh, what's a okay? What are, what are the options again? Give me one more time. AO Technology, Four Minutes, Dead and Gone, Love, Sex, Magic. That's the one we both like. Sierra. Yeah, Dead and Gone is a little too somber. It's a little too somber. Love, Sex, and Magic is cool. Sierra is all you know. We'll make it give a, Sierra some shine. We'll make it a bigger hit after all these years. Can 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 